With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right, so welcome to the latest edition of the Tennis.com podcast. Uh, obviously, Australian Open is in full swing and some exciting results and really competitive tennis already. It's been some good good tennis. I'm James Martin, joined with Steve Tigner and Peter Bodo. Guys, um, we're already talking about it. The big bit of news at, at, in the first week, first day, basically, Maria Sharapova out, loses to Maria Karolinko. What do you guys think about this? I mean, I look at this and I, I scratch my head wondering why she didn't play a warm-up tournament. I know she has the shoulder injury, but it seemed a bit peculiar that she, she didn't try to uh, get some matches under her belt to get that confidence up. The, the serve was still a bit dodgy, and she had a tough opponent who got a lot of balls back, which is not the kind of person you want to play when you're coming back from a, a long, long time off the tour. I mean, what do you guys think? I don't know. I'm just happy they changed that court to uh, sort of that clay color, that natural clay, not like tennis that? clay color. Yeah, I, oh, I tons like that. better. Oh, which you, court is that? An empty swimming All pool blue. All of them. They they have that nice sort of grayish, pale, pale okay, gray court. It's worlds better than last year. Worlds better than the Barclays ATP Championship too. There, but anyway. Sharapova. Go ahead, Steve. You take it first. Uh, Sharapova. I don't think we should be that surprised about her loss. She hadn't played, like James said, she hadn't played any warm-ups. She played a couple exhibitions like she usually does. She had barely played at the end of of 2009, and she hadn't done well at the U.S. Open or Wimbledon. And she was playing somebody, Karolenko, who gets a lot of balls back, which is what's going to be tough uh, if you're rusty. And they also know each other, fellow Russians. So that uh, throws another twist in it. And Karolenko had beaten her before, so it I think to the general public, it's a shocking result, but if you... But it really isn't, right? But, yeah. Well, no, I mean, you got to look at, you know, look, look, maybe let's be honest about this. Maybe the game is passing her by a little bit. You know, these women today, it's really become all about the return. The women's, you know, the, for the women these days, the return seems to be the equivalent of what the serve is in a men's game. It's your big attack shot. It's your preemptive get her back on her heel shot. It's kind of an interesting development, but it makes a lot of sense because so many women don't have a big serve. Now, granted, Sharapova does, but that serve hasn't been that great. You know, lately, you know, she had that terrible shoulder problem and stuff. We understand that. But she hasn't come back and she hasn't been able to, to dominate with her serve. The only woman out there dominating with her serve right now is Serena, and it's paying off. You could see you could see in those results. So I think a lot of this has to do with the game changing under Sharapova's feet. I think the girl's in trouble. She's a hard worker, though. Maybe she can work her way out of it. Well, I, I agree with that to a point. I don't think you can read too much into this loss for Maria, only because it is her first match back since last uh, end of September, early October when she won that event. Uh, you know, again, I think there's some rust in the confidence issue there. I agree with you on the serve. That's, you know, that, that is a problem, and it's the return that, you know, is the big part of women's tennis. Uh, watching Ivanovic, who won what seemed to be, you know, on paper an easy match against, uh, you know, Shania Perry, and, and her serve was all over the place, but her ground game looked really good. I mean, what did you, Steve, I mean, I know you watch it as well. I mean, watching the, the toss it made me uncomfortable because Ivanovic was tossing it far too far to the right, then too far behind her. But then once the point got started, she looked like 
a really strong, old, the old Ivanovich of old, basically. And, and I'm wondering what that means for her, given that the return is so important now. Can she, can she get away with having these serve problems? Uh, no, not to the extent that she has. Her toss is all over the place. She was making some serves on those tosses, which was interesting. But I think with her and Maria, it, the serve, even if they're making them and not double faulting, they're such a big part of each of their games or were that if they're not winning points with them, if they're not completely confident with that shot, they're not going to be all that confident with the rest of their game. And I think that that's something that affected Maria in her match against Kirilenko. Her serve itself wasn't terrible, but it still wasn't the weapon that it was always gave her an edge over the other women because she could serve. And the same was true with Ivanovich. And now neither of them have that that edge. Yeah, I mean, I think if Ivanovich had a better quality opponent, with all due respect, I mean, I think if she was playing a top 10 player, She's not winning that match. I mean, she's 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 gone. Well, you know, whenever she's whenever whenever you're tossing a ball and running around trying to catch it and hold it up and do it again, you know, you know there's there's mental issues there for sure. You know, you know she there's confidence. She's she's up there. She's shaky. Oh, I better toss the ball right. Her arm is tight. You know, it's just a bad thing. The serve ought to be automatic. I mean, let's face it. It's a one shot over which you have total control. Your opponent has nothing to do with it. They can't get you out of position. They can't get you uncomfortable. So it's really an automatic. Even if it's a bad serve, it ought to be automatic. I mean, you know, so whenever you see these service issues happening, you know, it's a mental thing. But isn't that the story of Ivanovich's career these days? Well, I mean, I think this opens it up. You know, you look at Serena, who, I mean, her serve has always been one of the consistent things of her game. She always, I mean, she wins Grand Slams based on the serve. I mean, it, it's long been true, but, it, you know, you, Pete, you say the return is the most important thing. But on the other hand, I think that in women's tennis, it's still going to come down to who serves the best is going to win this tournament because you look at Serena, how she's won so many tournaments, that serve has played such a huge role. Kleister's, you know, it's not a huge weapon, but it's not a liability by any stretch, and she moves it around well. Same with Hennen. She's tweaked her motion, so maybe not as consistent as when she used to, when she was on the tour before she had her, her, her break there. But I think it's going to come down, yes, the return's important, but I think of those three players, whoever serves better and holds serve and is able to, cranking the big one at 30-40 at 3-5 in, in, in a second set that's who's going to win this tournament yeah, yeah but you're talking about people who can serve yeah but I mean I mean Steve what do you think that's I mean, who still wins the slams on the women's side Serena has still won you know been a steady winner because of her serve that's the that's the odd thing is that holding serve becomes even more important because who can throw in a hold at the end of a match and and finish off a third set by holding serve that's that's the person you have to to look at who who can win, I think Kleisters can do that. I think Serena can do that. I think Justine can do that. Venus can do that. Um, but some of the other women, Safina, who now looks like she has a better chance with Maria losing, that part of her draw is opened yeah, up. Absolutely. I still don't trust her at the end of the matches. You have to look at the people who can, you know, can finish off and hold out a, a, a close match. Well, it's like the, it's like the relief great. pitcher in baseball. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of people can throw hard, but it's the guy that gets that strike. And, and I think those are the four players that can do that right and now. And you got to give Henning credit, too. I mean, she's, she's a small girl, yet she, you know, she serves big, even though she's a small girl. So, you know, she's, she's in with a shot with that. But, you know, that's one part of the equation. The other thing is, all right, granted, they can serve big. But, you know, if you have a little bit of an off day, then it becomes about the return. I mean, if Serena's out there cranking her serve, she's going to do well. But if she's having a little bit of trouble or she's giving the other girl a couple looks on a second serve – then it's all about the return. And those girls, of course, you know, are good returners too. You're talking about the top four or five players in the world. You know, the other thing I want to mention is I'm not surprised at how well Serena, you know, handled her first round match because we've seen her 
not play for, for weeks and weeks, and then she comes out and does it. But a part of me still remains somewhat surprised at how well she can just come out and, and play and win without having much match match time under her belt. She I mean, seemed very focused in that match. She Even after the match, she mentioned that she was she was um, thinking about her streak of never losing, not losing a first-round match at a Grand Slam in 41 matches. I don't know if that's if she's ever lost a first-round match at a Slam, but she hasn't for years. I think she comes out, she came out in, in this match, she looked like she was, she wasn't, she was focused, completely focused right from the beginning, even though it was just the first round. I want to take another look at that stat, that 41. That struck me as kind of a bogus stat. Did you catch it when uh, when Patrick and uh, and Brad Gilbert there were talking about that? And then uh, I, I think it was Darren Cahill actually said something like, well, you know, you've got this streak of Roger Federer with like 22 semis at Grand Slam events, yeah, whatever it is. it's not like that. <laughs> and then he segues from <laughs> that and right. saying, well, and then we've got Serena with 41 first That's rounds. Right. Well, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I'll write about this or something, but I'm going to look up and see how these other girls. I don't remember Kleister's losing a lot of first round matches or Henning for that no, matter. At least beyond a well. certain point in your career. So, yeah. you know, 41 first rounders. Yeah, it's nice. It's sure better than 39 and one. But still, you know. Well, Henning, Henning actually used to have a bit of trouble in those early rounds. I think more for a top player. Yeah, she was uh, a joker. She's lost a few. Sharapova, yeah. Sharapova's lost a few. I mean, Marie. I mean, Serena's obviously clutching and. I'm not going to go toward the TV coverage of ESPN because I want to keep this a positive podcast. But if this does get linked up to uh, ESPN.com, our partners, um, enough with the chatter on ESPN. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was it was. Uh, thank God for 360 uh, to watch what courts you want because I, I know how you guys felt about the coverage. I mean, it was good when they got to the matches, but that they're just obsessed with the desk and and talking and hyping things as opposed to showing live matches. Yeah, it's, you got to watch on a DVR. You got to be able to fast forward that stuff. Well, you know, this is their plum. You know, so uh, this is ESPN's. You know, time to shine. It's the first first slam that they actually nailed down. They've got it beginning to end. They don't have to get out of the way for a CBS or NBC to come up and really screw things up the way they do. So, I mean, I th- I, I, I like the coverage. I think ESPN does. And a I think they, they show a lot. You know, they, they do. They will show all of Serena because they know that that. That'll get the highest rating. They won't go away from that particular match, but otherwise they will go away and show you show you other courts. And, and to their credit, they're on virtually all night. They got those. You wake up in the morning, you got those matches. And um, on another positive note uh, for Federer fans, anyway, looking at the men's draw now, Federer had a tough first round. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners watched it and uh, had a hard hitting on Dreve, big forehand. That third set goes goes against Federer. I mean, he could be looking uh, at a, a flight out of Melbourne as well, but he. He he scraped through that and he won the match. I mean, what were you what were your impressions? Because that, I mean, I thought he looked pretty good and it was a decent match to get through. But it, it, he he definitely looked vulnerable in it's that match. It's pretty amazing how he like Nadal. Nadal he when he's in trouble he'll he'll try something new. He'll try something different. He'll hit his first inside out forehand of the match and that'll get that'll get him energized. What was Federer? He just he does the same thing, but when it comes down to those big points, he just doesn't does what he does better he doesn't suddenly he doesn't miss suddenly he doesn't shank the ball suddenly he's in on the net and in in on balls just a little faster and one of those set points Andre have had him pushed out wide and Feder had a stab backhand that Andre could have come to the net and and put away but he didn't but the fact is Feder made him hit another forehand and Andre missed it I mean well, they're setting up the model for Feder I mean basically you know uh, you, you, the, that match was a tribute to uh to what you can do with that inside-out forehand uh, of Andreev's, you know, I mean, he he was basically he he went to the Nadal playbook, play that topspin to Federer's backhand, make Federer hit 10, 15, you know, backhands in a row. I mean, that's going to be that's a I tough that's a tough forward, model. That's what guys are going to try to do. Andreev yeah. has a pretty unique forehand. That's a tough thing to match. He was yeah. hitting it. 
Really he was he was, he was smoking those forehands. Agreed, but that's what he's looking at. And you know that Andre is one of those guys who really likes to move. He likes to actually go in the opposite direction even more than he does in the usual, you know, regular cross court type direction. But uh, I th- I think these guys are going to try to wear Federer down. I think the theme here is going to be get him out there, make him play a lot of points. He's gonna he's going to have a lapse. He's going to be a little bit weak. He's going to get disgruntled. I think that's you know when you look at you know how much a guy has accomplished, the fact that he's twenty eight. Well, you know. I mean, a guy wants to have a long career, and he will have a long career probably. So I wouldn't read too much into the age stats. But, you know, you, you know, you start to show the mileage after a while. I think these guys are going to try to wear him down. That's going to be the thing going in there against Federer. I think it's a mental thing to me. I mean, you know, as, as Steve said, and I think he's right. Federer just does the same thing, but he just does it a little bit better. Rec players can learn a lot about that. You know, don't change your game. Just stick with what you do best and have faith that it's going to be good enough. Obviously, it's easy for Federer to have that faith with, with 15 slams to his name. But... Um, you still have to be incredibly mentally tough to to wear him down, and I think he looked he looked motivated in that match. He you know he had the come ons. He was you know he was into that match, and it was nice to see. And I th- I think that bodes well for him going forward. He had a, had a tough first rounder, and you know I wasn't picking him going into this. I, I like Davidenko, but you know you can't write Federer off. Obviously, he's still the favorite with with Rafa, and and people are saying you guys that Rafa's training hard now. He's practicing. Cahill was talking on on air about. How Nadal is back to practicing full tilt. He's not taking it easy as he was in practice sessions in the fall, and he did look pretty impressive. I thought in that first round match. I mean, could, is, is all of a sudden Nadal going to become the favorite to win this? I would. I um, he's going to play Murray most likely in the quarters. I would. That's a tough draw. I would actually pick Murray in that match. Just I think Murray plays him well and has played him well on hard courts uh, recently. But but Nadal. He seems like he's he's working his way back, and I think he'll if he can win that match, he could win the tournament. There's a wild card in there now too, though. But this talk about Del Potro's West, you know, you, you you hate to hear it. You already see sort of the, the the nest being feathered for when he, you know, for the soft landing, you know, in case the guy loses. And you know, I, I think he's going to be up against Blake, who who's actually playing well. He he's hitting the ball well. That change of coach, I think, change of racket, those things have really done wonders for him. It seemed yesterday. So, you know, uh, Del Potro, you got a potential nice big upset in, in a makings for James Blake if you can hold it together and, and, and play well enough. But if, if you take Del Potro out of the picture, you know, it changes a little bit because that guy really was the talk of the game, rightfully so, at the end of last year. So, you know, things are things are opening up. Well, Soderling's out. So that's that's that was a big surprise, I think, for most people. Had a two-set to love lead and blows that match. Um, you still got guys like Chillick in there who can, I think, do well. Um, and I think with Steve, with, Mur- with Murray, I mean, yeah, he plays Nadal well, and I think if he could win that match, I think uh, on a one-off, he probably is favored in that match the way he, he's playing right now. Murray looked good in the first round. But I still think there's question marks around Murray and Davidenko in terms of their, their ability to win in five sets and to do that over two weeks. I'm still not sold that either one of them can handle that over over a fortnight. No, wait a second, hold on a minute. You're talking about Davidenko I, I and Murray Danko, in the same no, no, breath? No. I picked Davidenko to win the tournament. I still think well, that this is his tournament. I think he can do it. But I think there's question marks on both these guys being able to handle the best of five format. Luckily for bo- both of them, it's been cool weather down there. I mean, you, you, they're saying it's in the it's been in the high 50s to start the day sessions, which is ridiculous when you're used to hearing about 110, 120 degree heat on center court. So... That's yeah. going to, I think, be in favor for guys like Davidenko and Murray. Uh, and Murray's fitness is better. But I, it's a I'm temperature in the head, not on a court with these guys. Davidenko, come on. 
But don't you think there's question? I mean, do you think who? I mean, who do you who do you like to win this tournament right now? Well, I like Murray, frankly. Uh, going in, just you know, just in terms of where the guys finished up last year, what they got ahead of him, I, I think Murray's a hardworking guy. He's a smart guy. He screwed up in Grand Slams last year. Uh, somebody put it really nicely the other day. They said that he sat back and waited for the tennis to come to him, and I think that's absolutely true. I, th- I think he's learned he's going to have to go out and get that title. He's going to have to play positive and aggressively. So I think he's in there. Of course, you can't. You know, and you know he's in there. I mean, he's my pick, but I mean, I don't, I don't see him as like an, you know, certainly any kind of an overwhelming favorite against. Certainly not against the top guys in Nadal. I mean, you've got Nadal in there, you've got Federer, and you've got Murray, and you've got Djokovic. Those, to me, are, are the four guys you're looking at. I think the title has got to come from from that pool of guys. Well, let's talk about Djokovic, Steve. I know you you uh, you like in his draw. He definitely has a pretty easy way to the semifinals. I picked Djokovic primarily because he's he's the one guy who doesn't have a really tough quarterfinal. Federer has Davidenko, Del Potro has Roddick, and Nadal has Murray. So the, all of those guys, if they're in the final, they've they've come through most likely, two tough matches now that Soderling's out. Uh, Djokovic had the easiest draw to begin with. He he might get Sanga in the quarters, which which could be interesting. But I think uh, Djokovic played well through the end of last year. He's won at this tournament before. Uh, of course, as soon as I made that pick, I looked online and saw that he'd been destroyed by Verdasco and Kuyong, but That's right. But we'll put that in the past. We'll forget That's that. That's Kuyong. You can't hey, how, what do you guys think that. about Andy Roddick? Uh, I watched his match. Uh, I don't see him winning this title, but he, he looked fit. He didn't seem to have any problems with his injury. He's got a lot to go through. I mean, he's got, he would have to go through Del Potro and yeah. then either Murray or Nadal. I don't, and, well, then, now, and then the final. Well, but now you've got Del Potro opening up there, right? If Del Potro has his wrist problem, let's say, let's say Blake. I, I believe that those are the guys are going to play. Let's say Blake mm-hmm. beats Del Potro. Now he's got to beat, beat his Davis, ex-Davis yeah, partner. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. You well, know, that opens things up a little bit for him. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't see Roddick winning this tournament. Uh, you know, I just, yeah, I mean, do you, Steve? I, so it can't be Roddick, but it can be Davidenko. Oh, Davidenko, I'm sorry. Davidenko's, you know, a better player. I mean, he's, he's, he's a better player. He's, he's, he's serving better. He's going for winners. I, I just think where his game's at right now, I, I'm more impressed with it. Not that Nadal, uh, excuse me, not that Roddick's not playing well. I just, I, I think they're on two different planes right now. And I think to Steve's point, Roddick's got a far, you know, far, well, they both have tough draws, but I don't think Roddick can get through that. Yeah, you also have to go through if he, if he faces Federer in the final. We've got the we've got the old Federer. You're talking uh, about execution. Federer erotic thing. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> do we need to see that one again? Yeah. Especially in Australia. Remember that one a couple of years ago yeah. when Andy was full bore charged. Yeah, we don't need to speculate about him upsetting Federer no, at the Aussie I, again. We're gonna have to find something else to talk about that. Yeah, yeah let's do that podcast. I think <laughs> that's right. And we'll uh, we'll have plenty to talk about next week as we wrap up this edition of the Tennis.com podcast. We'll uh, we'll come back next week to. Probably revise our picks and and preview the uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals as we uh, gear up for uh, the finale down under. And uh, until then, uh, with Steve Tigner and Pete Bodo, I'm James Martin, and we'll uh, catch you next week. Thanks. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.